Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast with me, Andy Sylvester, editor here at City AM. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by Max Jamilli, who is the co-founder of a company called Hoxton Farms, which is attempting to give a little added taste to the plant-based revolution. In the meantime, though, the economic and corporate headlines and historic high inflation has swelled the amount of money the UK government spends on servicing its debt to its largest level on record, official figures revealed today. Britain's debt interest bill for the year to March climbed 77% year on year to nearly £70 billion and a further sign that Chancellor Rishi Sunak's room to support households through the cost of living crisis is increasingly limited. That figure is the equivalent of the combined £57 billion the government spends on defence and the Home Office. Uh, deterioration in borrowers' creditworthiness caused by a historic cost of living squeeze has also prompted Britain's biggest lender, HSBC, to set aside millions of pounds to deal with a rise in defaults. The bank, which sources a large proportion of its profits from China and Asia, has set aside £600 million in reserves to cope with the rise in borrowers not paying back debts, it announced today. Pay is failing to keep pace with soaring inflation across rich economies, squeezing borrowers' room to repay debts in the UK. Prices are 7% higher than they were a year ago, at the highest rate of increase in some 30 years. And in Europe, inflation is running at the hottest rate since the creation of the euro way back in 1999. And fintech lender Starling has said it's on the acquisition warpath today as it bagged 130 quid's worth of fresh funding to snap up firms in the lending space. The new funding round, which was backed by all of Starling's existing investors, now more than doubles the firm's valuation to just shy of £3 billion. CityM understands the firm is already up, eyeing up a number of firms in the space with the new funds, including mortgage lender Kensington. Uh, this will enable us to continue our growth and to build a war chest for acquisitions, a spokesperson said today. We're looking at a number of potential targets. Surplus cash levels in the firm have now topped £400 million. An Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos, has questioned Elon Musk's grab for Twitter, raising alarm bells about Chinese influence on the social media platform. Following the news that Twitter had accepted the Tesla chief's $44 billion buyer offer, Bezos tweeted, of course he tweeted, interesting question, did the Chinese government just gain a bit of leverage over the town square? Citing a report from the New York Times, he recognised the importance of China to Tesla's business model and sparked a further discussion about what the future of Twitter may be. Um, much to talk about on Elon Musk, but much to talk about far closer to home when it comes to plant-based meat. I'm now joined by Max Jamilly of Hoxton Farms, a company that is, in its own words, cultivating the revolution, creating real animal fat to go in plant-based foods, which should, we hope, make it a little bit tastier. Max, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Andy. Um, I think it's fair to say you are the first lab-grown meat startup we've had in the podcast. Talk us through the problem or problems that you're looking to solve, because all good startups come from come from somebody identifying a problem and working out a way to solve it. I'd love to. So the meat industry, which is some $1.3 trillion worldwide, is broken. It's killing us and it's killing the planet. At the same time, demand for plant-based meat is soaring, but plant-based meat still isn't good enough. And that's because it's missing this one key ingredient, which is fat. And that's where we come in. We make real animal fat just without the animals. That's fascinating. I mean, I think when people think of, which I guess is the point of this, you know, when people think of agriculture, um, they think of rolling fields. Um, you're in Shoreditch. Um, talk us through the, the the process and how the how the idea developed that you could actually do this because presumably it's a mixture of of art and science. Exactly. Um, above all, we're a food company, 
but we're very much enabled by the latest science. And that's reflected in, in my background, which is in cell biology, and in my co-founder Ed's background, which is in maths. So to make our cultivated fat, Andy, we start off with a harmless handful of cells, which we borrow from an animal like a cow or a pig. We put those cells in a cultivator, which looks a lot like the, um, the tanks used to brew beer. Mm-hmm. And we recreate the conditions that those cells would grow in inside the animal. Uh, that encourages them to double and double and double so that from a small amount of starting cells, we end up with a huge amount of, of material. And then those cells naturally develop into fat. They develop into exactly the same kind of fat that they'd make inside the animal, um, mm-hmm. but it happens inside our cultivator instead. We harvest that fat at the end of the process, and it gets combined with plant-based protein by plant-based meat companies to make meat alternatives that look and cook and taste just as good as the real thing, mm. if not even better. And talk us through, obviously, you've been at the, the forefront of this revolution. I mean, you'd have to be distinctly oblivious over the past couple of years to have seen the change, to have not seen the changes in in supermarket shelves, have seen the changes on restaurant menus, just these more and more of these alternatives coming on to to menus. And the industry seems to be catching up with it. I guess you're on the on the forefront of that. Um you know, what do you think is behind this rise in, you know, plant based meats? Because they've been, they've been around for a while, but it just seems like there's been this huge explosion over the last couple of years. Yes, you're right. Uh the meat alternatives and plant based industry was a really niche thing for vegetarians and vegans for decades. And over the last four or five years, it's, it's been growing, um, often doubling year on year, and really is now totally changing the landscape of food as we know it. Not just the high end, not just restaurants, but the food that everyday people eat three times a day. And that's, that's an incredible change in, in our food systems, which have been built up over centuries. The, the reason it's changing is, is twofold. Um, on the one side, uh, our supply of meat is becoming more and more fragile. Um, it's extremely environmentally damaging and, and, and therefore unsustainable, but it's unhealthy too. Um, we only have to look at the pandemic, which was um, uh, driven by a potentially an animal-born disease. Mm. Uh, and then during the pandemic, we saw... Um, in the US, for example, in the first few months following the lockdowns, the supply of meat dropped by 30%. And meat disappeared from supermarket shelves. Um, and then on, on the other side, customers are becoming uh, more and more aware that um, meat isn't especially healthy. So mm-hmm. they're looking for alternatives that are good for them, good for the planet, and good for animals too. And that's what's behind this enormous drive in demand for, for meat alternatives. But nonetheless, the hardest thing to change is people's behavior. Um, I love meat, so do many, many people. And they don't want to give up that mm. delicious taste, the experience of eating meat, the recipes that, that they know and love. And unfortunately, plant-based meat isn't yet good enough um, to, to fill that gap, to satisfy that craving that so many of us have 
for meat. And, and that's where something better comes in. That's where cultivated fat will make the difference. Mm. And talk us through how you're planning to, to scale this. Well, actually, no, let's, we'll get to how you're planning to scale this. But why don't we start with sort of the funding journey? Because, you know, you're a growing business based in, in London. Was it, you know, was that just the place you were always going to gravitate to to build the business? Was it always going to be here because that's where the capital is? That's where the innovation is? So I'm biased. I'm a Londoner. So is is my (laughs) co-founder. But the fantastic team of uh, 16 and growing that we've built now um, come from all corners of the earth. Um, I think at least eight or 10 different countries, as many PhDs and, and disciplines represented. And that's one big piece of this puzzle. London has an incredible uh, draw for the kinds of of world-class talent that we need to make this difficult science and and also Mm. difficult business model work and and, and for us to change the future in that way. Also, London is already really well established as a leader in the the life sciences and a lot of the work that we do draws on um, existing technology and cell manufacturing and the London universities and, and biotech companies have a really strong background mm. in that field. Yeah. And of course, the other part of this recipe is capital. And London is a great place for startups to access capital. That said, um, it still has a way to go. And the early and, and mid-stage deep tech fundraising landscape in London is still immature compared mm. to, for example, the U.S., and for that reason, um, our fundraising journey started with partnerships with, with um, venture capital funds, both in the UK and Europe and in the US. And uh, a, a big part of what we're doing is trying to grow this biotech scene in London so mm. that startups can not just start their lives in London like we have, but hopefully stay here, uh, grow here and, and build here long term. Yeah, cultivating, I guess, is the phrase, right? Because a lot of people talk about cultivating these ecosystems around these particular sectors. There was sort of a massive burst of excitement about startups about 10 years ago. I remember it in in London and people were very excited about it. But actually, it's as those things have matured, as those industries, the sectors have kind of split off. Um, it's been it's been good to see that that develop in certain areas, but clearly work to be done elsewhere. Well, if that's the challenge, you know, where's this? Wh- where are we scaling to? Where's the uh, where's the Hoxton Farm sort of two year, three year aims? Well, but the sky's the limit, um, and and uh, you're right that scaling is the name of the game here. Um, the only way that we can really change the way that people eat, um, make as widespread as uh, as we can these meat alternatives that really taste good and and, um, perform as well as the real thing is if we produce at scale Mm. and producing at scale uh, is equivalent to making the, the, um, making the cultivated fat as cost effective as possible. Uh, We have a really great series of steps that will take us to the scale that we need um, from kilograms to tons and then to kilotons. Um, and we're going to do as much of that as we can in London. Um, in London, because that's a great place to be, as I said before. Mm. But also, it's it's where we eat the meat that that, um, that this is all about. And uh, the new side of our food systems um, will depend on much shorter supply chains, um, 
much less using huge amounts of agricultural land in the countryside. Mm. Um, it'll be about producing it where it gets consumed. Um, and so although uh, once we're at manufacturing scale, we won't only be in London, we'll, we'll keep a really strong presence here. And that's an important part of what we do. Um, over the next few years, you'll see us um, growing and growing um, as we work more with customers and, and cultivated fat becomes a reality in the shops. And that scale is, um, is a really exciting part of our journey. As you say, it's um, there's there's no re- you know, as a market. This is pretty significant stuff. If if this sort of plant based revolution continues, um, and you can make make it taste a little bit nicer whilst you're at it, um, Max, really good, enjoyable chat, and and fascinating to hear. There's so much uh, really exciting stuff going on in the UK kind of scientific food industry, for want of a better phrase. You know, when we've spoken in the past to, to companies doing vertical farming out in East London as well, also just trying to bring food a little bit closer to the plates it ends up on um, for obvious reasons. Um, so, Max, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much. I'm sure we could chat all day, but let's speak again soon. Cheers, Andy. Great to chat. Great stuff. That was Max Jamili of Hoxton Farms. And that's all from us today at the City View podcast. We'll be back tomorrow as we look forward to the City AM Awards on Thursday evening at the Guildhall. <laughs>